0: I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Elise Russell is a speaker, copywriter, and a creative director known for her award-winning work, Bright Ideas, Attention to Detail, and Sass. I gotta love that. Elise is currently devoting her energy, enthusiasm, and leadership in an organization called Pony Friday, where she collaborates with like-minded creatives to motivate others to chase down their dreams. Elise recently added international speaker to her list of talents. She started sharing her entrepreneurial story in 2016 to create a cultural shift of living life on your own terms. Leading by example, of course, she is inspiring others to behave boldly. Hello, Elise.
1: Hi, Ed.
0: Welcome to our podcast.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: Well, we're great to have you here today. And I did a light job of introducing yourself. And I'd love for you to take a few minutes to tell folks a little bit more about your background and what you really do today in the marketplace.
1: Absolutely. So I spent my career as a creative in ad agencies, which is kind of a dream job. I mean, you're Thinking of ideas all day long and getting to make billboards and TV spots. And I wrote some really fun radio spots. And I just felt like there was more for me. I felt fairly constricted by agency culture, although I did thrive in the whole competitive nature of it all. I left eight years ago to start my own thing. And it was a bit of a meandering journey to figure out who I wanted to be. And I would say that that is ongoing. I did a bunch of contract work for agencies thats a hired gun, and then direct client work. And then I started actually creating things for Pony Friday. So we have merch, we recently launched a community app for creative entrepreneurs called Kiss My Pony. And that's on Apple and Android. So we really just want to have fun and encourage other people to show up in a bigger way instead of feeling constricted in the nine to five themselves, like what could they be doing?
0: So tell us a little bit more about Pony Friday. I mean, what is the origination of the organization and what do you do uh, in the marketplace?
1: So we've done a ton of branding work for corporate. Um, So we've worked with membership organizations to help them elevate their brands. A lot of older membership organizations have seen some attrition because there's new competition and they haven't seized the newer technology or they have an aging membership base and they need to target a younger audience and shift their brand and how they come to be and, you know, their whole existence. It's just like they need a brand refresh. They need a new image in order to attract a younger audience. So that's one of the things that I have helped several organizations with.
0: And you've also written a book recently called Behave Boldly. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: That is the most fun thing that I have done recently. (laughs) It's, I mean, honestly, I didn't realize how much fun writing a book would be. And I really am talking about the fun part being the finishing, (laughs) finishing (laughs) writing a book, because that was a three-year project for me. Um, It's called Behave Boldly, Your Dreams Won't Chase Themselves. And I really just wanted to write it Uh, Because it's a snapshot of the first seven-ish years of me growing Pony Friday. And I read a lot. I listen to a ton of audiobooks. And I was so tired of hearing the story from the ivory tower. So Phil Knight's Shoe Dog, great book. But when you already understand that you're a billionaire and you're looking down from your ivory tower and you're telling other entrepreneurs that I remember when it was hard... It's difficult as the young entrepreneur not to say, okay, but that was a completely different landscape. That was 50 years ago that, you know, so much has changed. And when somebody says, I remember when it was hard, but they have succeeded. They are in the ivory tower. They do have the, all, all the money in the world that they could want. It makes that story less tangible, it seems out of reach. And when you think of something that took 50 years or more to achieve, and you think, oh, I'm in my first year or two, that becomes really difficult. And so for me, this book was about what it takes to start, you know, some humiliating stories, some real life stuff from somebody who's in the trenches, rather than somebody who has succeeded. It's a foregone conclusion. We have the Disney happily ever after. This is kind of like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. So here we are today.
0: Well, I love any book that is written by somebody talking about their own personal experiences, because, you know, those are real life experiences that people can have. And, you know, your, your muddled stories or your, your failures or things that didn't go well, as well as things that did go well, you learn from. Right. And those are experiences that you can share with others.
1: Absolutely. I was even just thinking about how I can't write this. Like, I couldn't write this book uh, anymore because I'm not that same person, you know, that started writing the book and those stories and my perception of how those events went down and, you know, how I took ownership of the events. It's so different than how I would approach things now.
0: Yeah, I, another great observation, right, is when you write books in the moment versus, you know, 10 years later writing about something that is 10 to 15 years old, that now you have to kind of recall and reflect. Again, I think it just resonates so much more with people
1: mm-hmm. because it
0: is current.
1: Absolutely. Current current, and painful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, every transition has its ups and downs. So uh, it's good that you're including both of them. Mm-hmm. So our topic today Elise is bravery in the workplace and I could only imagine with Pony Friday and writing a book and the career transition that you experienced that you had moments of bravery in your career and I'm just wondering when you think about bravery in the workplace you know what are two or three words or phrases that you think of on that topic
1: This is such an emotional question in the sense that I feel like I've never shied away from being brave and doing the brave thing. However, sometimes we don't know what the brave thing is. And so I can look back and think of moments that were really difficult and where I had to fire my biggest client because I knew that that wasn't the direction that I wanted Pony Friday to go and that our relationship had kind of run its course. And I slid into, you know, a a boardroom at the top of a skyscraper, and said, "You know, I'm about to be super unpopular, and we need to we need to break up." Um, but and that was really difficult, and especially because I didn't have another big client lined up to carry that financial burden. But I think that sometimes we need to open ourselves up to what could be because if we're busy doing something um, and it's filling our time, we don't have time to see what else we could be doing. And that's a big challenge, but also more so since the whole pandemic has started, one of the hardest things that I've had to do is a weekly video chat with my team. I have some designers that I work with and we had our big projects just disappear. So there's one thing about having that opportunity to break up or fire a big client, but then to have huge projects vanish in the blink of an eye because of a pandemic and have to talk to your team on video chat every week and be candid with where you are. Honestly, I've had tears welling in my eyes probably every single video call that we've had just because I believe in being transparent about what we're going through.
0: So I love the way that you frame that observation, Elise, because it sounds as though that in an effort to be brave, there's really two events that might happen. One is a planned event where due to, dissatisfied relationships, you know, whatever the reason was that you decided to part with your largest client, you know, but it was something you planned to do potentially, you might say <laughs> no way, it was really more in the moment, but, you know, but it was something you had time to think about and then unplanned, like the coronavirus, right? That suddenly you wake up one day and, uh, you know, leading politicians are telling you that the, you know, the town's shutting down and no one can go out, right? So you know, can you reflect a little bit on maybe if you can recall the differences of the bravery, like the planned bravery where you scheduled a time to talk with the client and potentially knew what you wanted to say versus these conference calls where you're all experiencing something that you didn't anticipate
1: Absolutely, because what usually when a relationship is starting to erode, and I mean, we left on great terms, it just wasn't a good fit for us anymore. Things had shifted, we'd worked with them for years, and there, you know, it kind of felt like there was the writing on the walls. Maybe they hadn't seen it yet, but it was a very, you know, res- respectful parting it's not like I can't reach out to those people and get LinkedIn references. (laughs) Like it's very positive and to have time for sure to process that versus in March of 2020, we're entering the busiest month that we've had in probably years. We were supposed to have a pop-up shop for our merch. We had two huge projects and all of a sudden, in the blink of an eye, everything is gone. That is a very different feeling. It feels like, you know, the rug has been pulled out from under you, and then you're rolled out, the, roll, rolled in the rug, hauled in the alley, <laughs> and chucked there, and thinking what just happened? And how am I supposed to, one, take this all in? You're really, a lot of it is kind of, okay, I need to process what happened. I need to think about what action steps I can take. And really at that point, there wasn't a heck of a lot that you could do. We shifted pretty fast to sewing masks because we have a whole merch line. And so that was something that we could Jump on, and we were one of the first in our network to get there because I had supplies in my basement. But to go from doing big branding projects to all of a sudden designing a mask pattern and sewing in your basement, something that you never thought that you would do, is pretty emotionally frying. Like it just, I think the bold move there is to have shown up and said, What can I do? You know, if I can't do any of the things that I thought I was going to be doing, what can I do? How can I show up? And I, I can tell you that that none of that is easy. It's way easier to fire a client and feel like you, <laughs> you had to say some sort of say in the matter.
0: Sure, everybody wants to drive their career and ensure that they're leading in the way that they want to lead and again i'm a huge fan of transparency and i think in most situations not all but most situations a high degree of transparency can create greater candor greater honesty and help people all move in a common direction when you're not transparent and you're withholding information or modifying information it creates this web, you know, the proverbial web that is hard to unravel or starts to unravel, you know, unintentionally. So, you know, being transparent with your biggest client, being transparent with your colleagues, even if it's bad news, which is where most people think about transparency, Mm -hmm. I think, I think can be, you know, incredibly effective.
1: Absolutely. Um, Not always easy to do.
0: No. And, A lot of our guests have also said that when they think of bravery, you know, they think of bravery as being hard, disruptive, not pretty, uh, complicated, right? That it's not some easy direction to say, oh, here's what I'll do. And boom, you just do it. You know, oftentimes it is, you know, highly complicated. uh, And some people have referred to it as messy. Would you uh, agree with that?
1: I would definitely agree that bravery tends to be messy. I also think that being brave and being bold can sometimes be very close to being stupid. And I say that because the world may not see what you're doing as something bold and brave. They may not agree. And I feel like there's a lot of social pressures that come generally with bold behavior. You know, you're stepping out of the line of what a conventional person might do in the situation. And I think that makes it extra difficult if you're in a close-knit group with your company or your team or your family and friends, that makes it extra hard. You almost have to behave boldly within your brain and in front of individuals who are trying to keep you safe by keeping you in the lines.
0: Well, we have heard from folks as well, just like you, that culture, And environment is a huge influencer into whether or not you will be brave in the workplace because we have watched others potentially try to exert bravery and either they got shot down or were treated disrespectfully or were isolated. You know, these bad outcomes happened, and uh, that's not what we want. And so the likelihood of us being brave and courageous is less likely in that type of environment than an environment that welcomes and Appreciates differing perspectives and wants people to break out of the box of thinking and the way that they think in order to create new and kind of innovative ideas. Are there other words or phrases, Elise, that you think of when you think of bravery in the workplace?
1: Um, I just want to circle back to what you said because I think that that's so profound. Is that sometimes we overcalculate or overanalyze? the fallout of bravery. And then we don't take action because of all of that analysis, what we've seen other people do, how we know society will react. And often it's not the brave step that is the scary part. It's the fallout.
0: Yeah. I uh, have coined the phrase, I think that describes these things that we create and I call them self-constraints, and these are self-generated ideas or beliefs or stories or obstacles that we create as to why I shouldn't say what needs to be said or do what needs to be done. And we're so talented <laughs> at creating these reasons why we shouldn't do it, and part of it's because you know we've not grown up learning how to navigate conflict effectively as adults. And so uh, we'd like to follow the path that's least disruptive, and so... You know, we create all these reasons. I ran out of time. It wasn't a good moment. You know, I mean, just the list is endless. And, you know, I call them self-constraints. And if, you know, going back to something you said, if we can look at more at what can I do, you know, what am I able to do effectively here to make progress, the likelihood of us being braver is greater.
1: Absolutely. And I think that we have to show each other how to be brave. And that is often lacking there's been a huge trend, uh, and maybe it's a resurgence, but in the last few years, maybe even the last decade, of authenticity and vulnerability. And I've seen individuals speak at conferences, I've read books about it, and that often is tied to bravery. But what we find is that most individuals talking about vulnerability and authenticity are not showcasing it. So they talk about it almost in a theoretical sense, and they attach themselves to it without actually showcasing it, which is fascinating because I believe that they think they're being authentic. I believe that they think they're being vulnerable, but if you've ever read, you know, the most popular books on it or, you know, seen someone talk about it, they're not showcasing it, which is fascinating because we're human. We can feel it. We can feel when somebody is being authentic, vulnerable, and brave. We can we can sense it.
0: Well, I think we can. And I hope those same leaders have what I call an accountability partner, which is somebody whom after the meeting or after the comments that they've made, et cetera, say, how did I do? What do you think the impact to the audience was? I was attempting to be authentic, did it come through? And hopefully that person would say either, I think it was fantastic and please keep doing that. Or I think you missed the mark. I think uh, it looked like you were trying to do something that you yourself don't either believe or are good at. And so we've got to keep practicing that behavior.
1: I think what's also fascinating about the culture that I at least find myself in is people aren't willing to say the hard things. People aren't willing to say, nice try, but you missed the mark. Uh, They're not willing because it's not received well. And that is difficult to be able to give somebody feedback that you know that they need to hear and deep down they want to hear for personal growth. But you realize that in that moment, and maybe for the next two months or two years, that it's going to take them a long time to process it. And they're going to be mad at you for pointing it out. And if, even if you think about raising children, and I don't have children, but I've seen it, and I've been a child myself, and hearing things that are necessary and having parents willing to tell you things to have corrective behavior or to improve, those things are never pleasant, but they're needed. And I think that we're not willing on a regular basis to help each other course correct.
0: We're not. I think... Uh even your best friends sometimes are the worst at being honest and candid with you for all sorts of complex (laughs) reasons. But, uh, you know, based on that, Elise, thank you so much for your time today talking about bravery in the workplace. I think we heard some great ideas around vulnerability, authenticity, transparency, uh, you know, self-constraints, planned uh, bravery versus unplanned and unexpected bravery. These are all great things for our listeners to reflect on if folks wanted to get in touch with you what are some ways or connections that you can share with us that can help them
1: well i'm at everyday elise on twitter and instagram so if you're into that um pony friday just at pony friday twitter facebook instagram linkedin i also elise russell on linkedin um I'm the pony pony person. <laughs> so that should be pretty awesome. <laughs> Is that obvious. your official title? Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, I, I have been called that a lot when people can't remember my name. You know, the pony the pony lady. Um and ponyfriday.com, honestly, if you Google Pony Friday, we're gonna come up.
0: Fantastic. And I would also add that folks can take a look at and purchase your book behave boldly your dreams won't chase themselves on amazon barnes and noble and i'm sure virtually any uh, online retailer out there
1: absolutely and there's a, a hardcover an ebook and an audio book
0: wow fantastic well good well thanks again elise for your time today it was really great speaking with you
1: thank you ed this was really fun thank you
0: Great and to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week and we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at work.com and or download and listen to our podcast on Apple, Google, Castbox, Overcast, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, we are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot list Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at CabotRisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available everywhere online. Do you have something to say yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.